Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. This isn't what it looks like. Secret series by? Book number? Four. Okay. Yep. Chapter 22, The Trunk, page 393. And this is the last chapter of the book until we get to book number five. Okay, ready? For Cass and Max Ernest, a rainy Sunday afternoon almost always meant tea at the fire station. And so it was that they found themselves at Cass's grandfather's kitchen on a table one rainy Sunday afternoon a few weeks later. By now, their tea was cold and all the best chocolate chip cookies eaten. For Cass, best meant chewiest. For Max, it meant chocolatiest. <laughs> Chocolate, chocolatiest. I don't think that's a word, but I like it. Chocolatiest. <laughs> After rega- regaling them with a war story that everyone, that everyone present knew, it's right before seven. Before everyone, hold on, now I lost my place. Before everyone knew to be entirely made up, Grandpa Larry excused himself to go catch up on some work, an activity that everybody knew was code for a nap. Grandpa Wayne said he was going to tinker with some old record player that he purchased at a garage sale that morning, an activity that everyone knew could go on for hours or days or in the cast of one eight-track tape player years and years. Cass and Max Ernest, meanwhile, were both reluctant to go home, as it would have meant to, as it would meant to stepping out in the rain. Cass sipped her cold tea and regarded her uncharacteristically quiet friend. With Yoyoji back at home, his parents returned, and Pietro and the other Turkish members kept keeping their distance, still hoping that Cass would crack the mystery of the secret. It felt to Cass, it felt, it. It felt to Cass very much like the beginning of a friendship. The beginning of their friendship when it was just her and Max Ernest. What are you thinking about? She asked. Nothing. Nothing? There's, there's, been a, there's never been a second of your life when you're thinking about nothing. You have more thoughts than anybody I know. That's when Benjamin said, so? So what? Wait, Benjamin's with them all of a sudden? Okay. So what are you thinking? I guess I was just thinking about that time that I looked through the double monocle, but I wasn't really thinking about it, said Max Ernest. Oh, uh, oh, okay, ben- Benjamin's not there. Nothing, that's, nothing? There's never been a second in your life when you were thinking about uh, nothing. You have more thoughts than anybody I know. That's what Benjamin said. Okay, so he said that's what Benjamin said. Okay. I guess I was just, I was just thinking about that time that I looked through the double monocle, but I wasn't really thinking about anything, Max Ernest added quickly. You mean at the hospital? You said you just saw yourself in the mirror. Yeah, that's kind of right. What else did you see? Cass could tell that there was something that he wasn't telling her. Just myself. But? But it was in the future. I was old. Really? That must have been so weird. A year ago, Cass might have assumed he was making this up, but having seen so many unexpected things in the monocle herself... She didn't even question the truth of what he said. Yeah, really weird. So what did you look like? Crazy. 
seriously? What were you? I mean, were you, what were you going to be? A stand-up comedian? I don't think so. I was sitting down. And I wasn't exactly telling jokes. A magician? No, at least it didn't look like it. Then what were you doing? Not much. I must have been doing... You must have been doing something. Well, I was writing, said Max Ernest reluctantly. Writing? Cass repeated in surprise. Yeah, I think I'm going to be a writer. Can you believe that? What? He's the one who wrote the book. Peyton? I think you're right. And he eats... (gasps) What? It is him because he's eating chocolate. Remember, he loves chocolate. Peyton, how did you just figure that out? You're a genius. Because I'm a genius. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be a writer. Can you believe that? What's wrong with being a writer? You like books. Nothing, I guess. I just, I don't want to talk about it. Why? What were you about to say? What were you writing? Max Ernest shook his head in disgust. I'm not sure. It looked like a novel, but it sounded more like a, I sounded more like a raving lunatic. So could, so you could read it? Through the mirror? Just a little bit. Well? Max Ernest shook his head. Come on, you have to tell me. You have to tell me everything. (sighs) Only the words I can't remember. I can't keep a secret. Never could. (gasps) That was the beginning of the book. Of book one. Can't keep a secret. Never could. Remember? In book one, it said, I'm writing this book because I can't keep a secret. Never could. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, he's, he saw himself writing the first book. Cass laughed. Well, that's true. And then, wait, I promise, I promise me you won't get upset. How can I promise that? I swore I wasn't going to tell you this, but I saw our names, Max, said Max Ernest, speaking in a rush now. Well, they weren't really our names, but I could tell that they were stand-ins for our names. Like, mine was Max Ernest instead of blup blup, and yours was Cass instead of blup. Oh my god, Cass and Max Ernest isn't their real name, remember? Really? Yeah. Cass is appalled. You were writing about us? Don't get mad at me. I haven't done it yet, said Max Ernest, already regretting his words. Yeah, but you're going to. That's worse. Why? What's so terrible about writing about us? It means that I can't trust you ever again. How can I even talk to you knowing that what I say might be in a book one day? Max Ernest put his head in his hands. Why couldn't he even ever keep anything to himself? Ring, ring. It was a fire station doorbell, i.e. the old fire alarm. It didn't ring very often, but when it did, it was so loud the whole place seemed to shake. Sebastian, Cass's grandfather's old, ailing, blind basset hound, gave a half-hearted bark, his voice no longer in competition for the bell. Oh, with the bell. Can you get it, Cass? Grandpa Wayne called from down below. Unlike Grandpa Larry, who was asleep, or at least pretending to be, Wayne was not... Wayne was not what was known as a people person. If Cass around the door, if Cass was around to get the door, he always asked her to do so. Nice. <laughs> she and Max Ernest slid down the fire pole and made their way through the maze of boxes that filled the bottom floor of the fire station. Cass patted Sebastian, who was already back to sleep on his pillow. She opened the door. A postman stood on the front steps. Is there a Cassandra here? He asked. Yeah, that's me. A postman smiled odd. Well, then I believe this is for you. He gestured towards a big old trunk at his feet. It was in the back of our storage room. Been there for for 40 or 50 years at least. Cass and Max Ernest stared at the trunk. It was interesting. 
It was unusual looking, to say the least. For one thing, you could barely see it. There were stamps and stickers and receipts covering nearly every inch of its surface. They bore names and cities and countries, trains and steamships, all sorts of ports of call. They were written in dozens of languages and gave dozens of conflicting instructions. It looked as though the trunk had traveled the world many times over and had been doing so for centuries. They're shutting down the post office, what with all the cutbacks these days, and somebody was about to have it hauled away. The postman continued, then I noticed this old tag. He fingered he fingered a cracked, worn leather tag affixed to the top of the trunk. It looked like it was so old that it hadn't that it hadn't disintegrated wondered how it hadn't disintegrated altogether together. Together. <laughs> the tag said to Cassandra for delivery the year twenty XX remember because like, I can't say the fire station. Interesting. At the bottom of the name per town. I'd figured you'd be much older seeing this tag was written so many years ago, but by the looks of it, you weren't even alive yet. You have any idea how somebody could have known that you were here so long ago? A mother, grandmother, the same name maybe? Cass shook her head. Over the years, many unusual things had been left on her grandfather's her grandfather's doorstep. The unique store had been left. Oh, their antique store was like, the neighborhood attic, or maybe the town dump, a taxidermic moose, a broken unicycle, a life-size portal events of Elvis, the most memorably, most memorably, of course, Cass, Cass had been left on the doorstep, a newborn baby in a cardboard box, but never before she had had an item arrive that seemed so accurately to predict the future, it was certainly mysterious. Well, all I can say is this beauty's been around here the, been around here's the manifest if you want to look at it said the postman he started unrolling what looked like a long scroll with many attached pages the most recent sections were typewritten the older handwritten some of the oldest bore royal crests and wax seals it took me an hour just to read through it can you believe that this old trunk traveled to seven seven different continents including antarctica it's been on spanish galleons warships it was even on the mayflower the mayflowers were all of the stuff was remember it's been in a museum collections royal treasuries and guess what as far as i can tell nobody's ever opened it not even once he looked at cast and max Ernest, waiting for a reaction cast didn't say anything he she was thinking too hard wow said was all that max Ernest could manage to say the postman laughed. Well, I guess that means you won't be opening in front of me, huh? Shucks. Can't blame a guy for hoping. Well, just sign right here and I'll be on my way. Sorry. It's okay. He pointed to the top of the manifest and handed Cass a pen. And you be careful now. You never know. You never know. There might be some old bones in there. A trunk like that could be cursed. Oh, beautiful. You look great, Peyton. The new loot, especially the new old loot, has usually proven proved irresistible to Cass's grandfather, but Wayne was so absorbed in his record player and Larry so fast asleep that neither came running when Cass and Max Ernest hauled the trunk inside. The two young people were free to put their considerable detective skills to work on the trunk, uninhibited by the older men. I wonder how old it is, said Max Ernest. It seems like that tag with your name on it was there from the beginning. How about that? 
I think it's about 500 years old, actually, said Cass, her ears tingling with excitement. She had just recognized the trunk underneath the layers of paper and grime. The trunk in front of her was the bandit's treasure chest. She remembered the large brass lock that resembled the coat of arms. One of the bandits had broken the lock with his axe, and if nobody had opened the trunk in years since, somebody must have rebuilt the lock and reinforced it, reinforced it many times over. It's from the jester, it has to be, she said, lowering her voice so her grandfather wouldn't hear. I told him I told him the fire station didn't exist yet. I mean, in his time, he must have left the instructions for, the, for it to circle around the world until closer to our time. Together, they examined this bra- brass lock. It had an intricate pattern of diamonds and fleur-de-lis etched into it, but the basic design was simple. What, what had cast... What had looked to cast like a coat of arms was in fact a circle of squares. On closer inspection, each of the four circles had turned to be a dial. On top and below, each was marked 26 letters of the alphabet. Remember, as above, so below? That's what that probably means. It's going to be the same up top that it is below. It's obviously some kind of early combination lock, said Max, but I've never seen seen a quadruple one like this it looks like we have to pick four letters you shouldn't it shouldn't be so hard oh yeah you want to try all four thousand four hundred and fifty six thousand nine hundred and sixty seven combinations that can't be that many want to bet put in a calculator 26 times 26 times 26 times 26 all right you made your point so we have to narrow it down you know the jester what letters would he would he put, like, the names of his kids or something? He didn't even have any kids when I knew him. Well, anybody else? Think of what we're trying to find the computer. C-A-S-S. That's what they're doing. C-A-S-S. Stop. C. Yep. They did all different ways for Cass. Nope. And there was Anastasia, but too many letters. How about your name? That was four letters. At least your nickname does. They tried every... They tried it every way they could, cast, 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 and so on. None of the variations worked, but Max Ernest noticed the faintest click when he tried an S at the top of the letters. I think A-S on top might be right. He said excitedly, can you think of anything else? Remember, as above, so below, so it's going to be A-S-A-S. Anastasia, okay, can you think A for Anastasia and the other letters are for people? He tried, he tried a few letters at random, predictably. They didn't work. Then Max Ernest noticed that he was too late to, to relieve PC's babysitter, his father. I don't really like to go. I don't really like to go into overtime, Max Ernest explained, heading out the door. Then I feel like I have to pay them more. Plus, it's just sort of disrespectful of a babysitter's time. Your dad's not a babysitter, Cass protested, and he's your dad and PC's dad. And he's your dad and PC's dad. Max shook his head. One day you'll understand life is different when you have a kid. <laughs> he doesn't have a kid. He has a brother. That's funny, though. Yeah. Cass watched the door close behind him, feeling bereft. And do you think that Max would really just leave when they're doing the lock? No way. As... She very much wanted to open the trunk before her grandfather saw it, but she couldn't imagine what she'd find right in the combination without Max Ernest's expert code cracking skills. Well, 
there was always a possibility he would call with another inspiration when he got home, like he did with the lodestone. The lodestone, that's it, she thought. The The lodestone is the key. As above, so below. Max was always telling her you had to read clues in different ways. Sometimes secret messages were more about language than anything else, and she suspected that this was the case. She'd been right about the gesture for him, as above, so below, didn't have any deep meaning. It was about alchemy. It was about the words, as, above, so below. So as, A-S, above, and then so below. She kept trying her hand steadily to turn the two bottom dials correct to the correct letters. For a moment, it seemed like this combination didn't work either but it was only because the chest hadn't opened in so long. Eventually, the latch released, and she was able to lift the lid. Treasure. It was the last thing she'd seen in the chest. It was the last thing she'd expect to see again. And yet, there it was, the coins and jewels and goblets, the candlesticks, they glistened and gleamed just as they had when the homunculus first lifted the tarp to show the bandit's hoard. Of course, There wasn't nearly as much now. The poor bandits had given most of their bounty to the poor, but there was still plenty. Cass would be wealthy beyond measure if she kept all of it, that is. Already in her hand, she was pushing aside thoughts of expensive vacations and fancy cars and thinking of causes that she could donate her riches to, the environment, disaster preparedness, child slavery, not to mention the Turkish society. Cass was pleased, even thrilled that the jester and Anastasia cared enough for her to leave their fortune at the same time she felt very disappointed this was all that this was all there was to the secret gold treasure that made her feel like a bandit herself she dug down into the chest perhaps she would find a note at the bottom or some other subject that contained a clue about the secret she exper- she experienced a momentary spark of hope when she'd spied a corner of what looked like a piece of yellow paper but when she pulled it out she found Not an ancient Egyptian papyrus, but a familiar parchment scroll. Cassin scrolled it to reveal a crude sketch of a girl with pointy ears. Remember she drew it? Her self-portrait. She'd look wistfully at the drawing, thinking that Anastasia must have left that for her to find. Cass traveled into the distant past in the part to find out who her biological parents were. The jester had been right. The quest had made no sense, chronologically speaking, but in the meeting the jester and Anastasia, perhaps she had found the route to what she was looking for anyways. I have a present for you, said Cass to her mother. Later that night when they were together in the kitchen, she pulled her now flattened self-portrait out of her folder in her backpack and handed it over. Her mother smiled in delight, surprised. Cass, did you draw this? Cass shrugged. I guess, I mean, if you call it a drawing, it's more like a scribble. Thank you. I don't remember the last time that you gave me a drawing that you did. Probably when you were six years old. This is wonderful. No, it's not. You don't have to say that, said Cass, embarrassed and already half regretting the gift. I know I don't. I'm saying it because it's true. It's very expressive, and I think it captures the essence of you. Although, of course, you're much prettier. You don't have to say that easier either. Melanie shook her head. What am I going to do with you, Cassandra? It's very important skill to know how to accept a compliment. Well, I guess I'm not very skillful then. Terrific. Now I'm insulting you. Melanie had held Cass's drawing up to the light. This paper looks so old, almost like parchment. Did they give it to you at school? 
No. I found it at the fire station, said Cass, semi-accurately. I don't think Larry and Wayne knew it was there. Well, I'm sure they would be glad to see it was used well. What's this tiny little scrape of paper glued to the other side, asked Melanie, turning the parchment over. See here at the bottom? I think there's something written on it, almost like hieroglyphics. <gasps> Let me have it, Cass snatched a drawing out of her mother's hand. I just decided to have... I just decided I have to take a look at the, I have to take the drawing back, she said, not yet daring to look at it. It's, um, just, I don't think it's finished yet, and I'm afraid you're going to put it up or something. Sorry. Leaving the flabbergasted Melanie alone in the kitchen, Cass flew upstairs to her bedroom and slammed the door. Cass, what did I do? Her mother shouted from downstairs. Nothing. I love you, Mom. Cass shouted back, and then she locked her bedroom door for good measure. Her hand trembling, Cass opened the parchment paper. Sure enough, there was a little scrap of rough woven paper stuck to the bottom of the page. Cass was certain that this was it, the papyrus on which the secret was written. There was only one problem. The papyrus was rapidly turning to dust. The end. Well, okay. Time for book number five. What? Time for book number five. What? Goodbye. Okay,